Section 18 of Chateau and Country Life in France. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Boulogne-sur-Mer One year, we were at Boulogne for the summer in a funny little house, in a narrow street, just behind the port and close to the casino and beach. There were a great many people, all the hotels full and quantities of automobiles passing all day. The upper part of the town is just like any other seaside place, rows of hotels and villas facing the sea, some of the houses built into the high green cliff which rises steep and almost menacing behind. Already parts of the cliff have crumbled away in some place and the proprietors of the villas find some difficulty in letting them. The front rooms on the sea are charming, but the back ones, directly under the cliff, with no air or sun, are not very tempting. There is a fine dig and raised broad walk all along the seafront, with flowers, seats, and music stand. It is a perfectly safe beach for children, for though the channel is very near and the big English boats pass close to the shore, there are several sandbanks which make the beach quite safe, and from seven in the morning till seven at night there are two boats au large and two men on the beach with ropes, life preservers, and horns which they blow whenever they think the bathers are too far out. There is an inspecteur de la plage, a regular French official with a gold band on his cap, who is a most important and amiable gentleman, and sees that no one is annoyed in any way. We made friends with him at once, moyennant une pièce de dix francs, and he looked after us, saw that our tents were put up close to the water, no others near, and warned off stray children and dogs who were attracted by our children's toys and cakes. The plage is a pretty sight on a bright day. There are hundreds of tents, all bright-coloured. When one approaches Boulogne from the sea, the beach looks like a parterre of flowers. Near the casino, there are a quantity of old-fashioned ramshackly bathing cabins on wheels, with very small boys cracking their whips and galloping up and down, from the deep to the edge of the water, on staid old horses who know their work perfectly, put themselves at once into the shafts of the carriages, never go beyond a certain limit in the sea. All the bathers are prudent, it is rare to see anyone swimming out or diving from a boat. A policeman presides at the public bathing place, and there are three or four baigneurs and baigneuses who take charge of the timid bathers. One wonderful old woman, bare-legged, of course, a handkerchief on her hand, a flannel blouse and a very short skirt made of some waterproof material that stood out stiff all around her, and shed the water. She was the première baigneuse seven years old and had been baigneuse at boulogne for fifty-one years she had baited sea point as a child and was delighted to see her again and wildly interested in her two children there were donkeys of course and goats the children knew the goat men well and all ran to him with their mugs as soon as they heard his peculiar whistle they held their mugs close under the goat so that they got their milk warm and foaming as it was milked directly into their mugs the goats were quite tame one came always straight to our tents and lay down there till his master came. Everyone wanted to feed them, with cakes and bits of sugar, but he could never let them have anything for fear it would spoil their milk. Another friend was the cake man, dressed all in white, with his basket of brioche and madeleine on his head. Then there were the inevitable Africans with fezes on their heads and bundles of silk, crêpe de chine and ostrich feathers, that one sees at every plage. I don't think they did much business. The public was not at all distinguished. 
we often wondered where the people were who lived in the hotels all very expensive and villas for with very rare exceptions it was the most ordinary petite bourgeoisie that one saw on the beach a few americans a great many fourth-rate english they were a funny contrast to the people who came for the concours hippique and the race week one saw then a great influx of automobiles there were balls at the casino and merry pretty well-dressed women of both worlds much en évidence the chatelain from the neighbouring chateau appeared and brought their guests for that one week boulogne was quite fashionable the last sunday of the races was a terrible day there was an excursion train from paris and two excursion steamers from england they were on the quay when the english boats came in and it was amusing to see the people some of them had left london at six in the morning there were all sorts and kinds wonderful sportsmen with large checked suits caps and field glasses slung over their shoulders a great many pretty girls generally in white all had bags and baskets with bathing suits and luncheon and in an instant they were swarming over the plage already crowded with the paris excursionists they didn't interfere with us much as we never went to the beach on sunday f was fishing all day with some of his friends in a pilot boat they brought back three hundred mackerel had a beautiful day the sea quite calm and the fish rising in quantities c and i with the children went off the sea out the low woods in the auto we established ourselves on a hillside pines all around us the sea at our feet a beautiful blue sky overhead and not a sound to break the stillness except sometimes in the distance the sirene of a passing auto we had our tea basket found a nice clear space to make a fire which we did very prudently scooping out a great hole in the ground and making a sort of oven it was very difficult to keep the children from tumbling into the hole as they were rolling about on the soft ground but we got home without any serious detriment to life or limb the life in our quarter on the quay is very different an extraordinary animation and movement there are hundreds of vessels of every description in the port all day and all night boats are coming in and going out the english steamers with their peculiar dull penetrating whistle that one hears at a great distance steam tugs that take passengers and luggage out to the atlantic liners lying just outside the dig yachts pilot boats easily distinguished by a broad white line around their hulls and a number very conspicuously printed in large black letters on their white sails smart-looking little craft that take boys out to the various points where they must be laid one came in the other day with two large red bell-shaped boys on her deck which made a great effect from a distance we were standing on the pier and couldn't imagine what they were avisos dispatch boats with their long narrow flam which marks them as war vessels streaming out in the wind their sailors looked very picturesque in white jerseys and blue berets with red pompons small steamers that run along the coast from calais to dunkirk others cargo boats broad and deep in the water that take fruit and eggs over to england the baskets of peaches plums and apricots look most appetizing when they're taken on board the steamers look funny when they come back with empty baskets quantities of them piled up on the decks tied to the masts many little pleasure boats flat broad rowing boats that take one across the harbour to the gare maritime which is a long way around by the bridge a most uncomfortable performance at low tide as you go down long steep slippery steps with no railing and have to scramble into the boat as well as you can of course there are fishing boats of every description from the modest little sloop with one mast and small sail to the big steam trawlers which are increasing every year and gradually replacing the old-fashioned sailing boat 
One always knows when the fishing boats are arriving by the crowd that assembles on the quay, that peculiar population that seems natural to all ports, young, able bodied sailors, full of interest about the run and the cargo. Old men in blue jerseys who sit on the wall, in the sun, all day, and recount their experiences, various officials with gold bands on their caps, men with hand carts waiting to carry off the fish and fishwives, their baskets strapped on their backs, hoping for a haul of crabs and shrimps or fish from some of the small boats. All the cargo of the trawlers is sold before they arrive to the mereur, men who deal exclusively in fish, and who have a contract with the big boats. There is no possibility of having a good fish except at the Ad, where one can sometimes get some from one of the smaller boats, which fish on their own account and have no contract, but even those are generally sold at once to small dealers, who send them off to the neighboring inland towns. In fact, the proprietor of one of the big hotels told me he had to get his fish from Paris and paid Paris prices. The fishwives, the young ones particularly, are a fine-looking lot, tall, straight, with feet and legs bare, a little white cap or woolen fichu on their heads. They carry off their heavy baskets as lightly as possible, taking them to the Al, where all the fish must go. They're quite a feature of Boulogne, the young fishwives. One sees them often at low tide fishing for shrimps, carrying their heavy nets on their shoulders, and flat baskets strapped on their backs into which they tip the fish very cleverly. They're quite distinct from the boulonnaise matelote, who are a step higher in the social scale. They always wear a wonderful white cap with a high-starched frill, which stands out around their faces like an auréole. They too wear short full skirts, but have long stockings and very good stout shoes, not sabots, which are always disappearing. They turn out very well on Sundays. I saw a lot of them the other day coming out of church, all with their caps scrupulously clean, short, full, black or brown skirts, aprons ironed in a curious way, across the apron, making little waves. Our maids couldn't think what had happened to their white aprons the first time they came back from the wash, thought there had been some mistake and they had someone's else clothes. They had to explain to the washerwoman that they liked their aprons ironed straight, long gold earrings and gold chains. They are handsome women, dark with straight features, a serious look in their eyes. Certainly people who live by the sea have a different expression. There is something grave, almost sad in their faces, which one doesn't see in dwellers in sunny meadows and woodlands. We went this morning with the Baron de Gé, who is at the head of one of the fishing companies here, to see one of their boats come in and unload. It was a steam trawler with enormous nets that had been fishing off the English coast near Land's End. There were quite a number of people assembled on the quay, a policeman, a garde du port, an agent of the company, and the usual lot of people who are always about when a fishing boat comes in. Her cargo seemed to be almost entirely of fish, they call here saumon blanc. They were sending up great baskets of them from the holds where they were very well packed in ice. Halfway up, they were thrown into a big tub which cleaned them, took off the salt and gave them a silvery look. They are put by hundreds into hand carts which were waiting and carried off at once to the Al. They had brought in 3,500 fish but didn't seem to think they had made a very good haul. The whole cargo had been sold to a merieur and was sent off at once, by him, all over the country. Other boats were also sending their cargo to the Al. They had all kinds of fish, soles, mackerel, and a big red fish I didn't know at all. I wouldn't have believed, if I had not seen it with my own eyes, that such a bright-colored fish could exist. However, a very sharp little boy, who was standing near and who answered all my questions, told me they were rouget, we went on to the Al, a large grey stone building facing the sea, rather imposing with a square tower on top, from which one can see a long way out to sea, 
and signal incoming fishing boats it was very clean water running over the white marble slabs and women with pails and brushes washing and wiping the floor it is evidently a place that attracts strangers many tourists were walking about one couple american i think passing through in an automobile and laying in a stock of lobsters and crabs the big deep-sea crabs and rouget the man rather hesitated about leaving his auto in the streets they had no chauffeur with them tried to find a boy who would watch it for a wonder none was forthcoming but two young fishwives who were standing near said they would when the man came back with his purchases he gave each of them a five-franc piece which munificence so astounded them that they could hardly find words to thank him quantities of fish of all kinds had arrived some being sold à l'écrier but it was impossible to understand the prices or the names of the fish at least for us the buying public seemed to know all about it the fishwives were very busy standing behind the marble slabs with short thick knives with which they cut off pieces of the large fish when the customer didn't want a whole one and laughing and joking with everyone here and there we saw a modern young person in a fancy blouse her hair dressed and waved with little combs but there were not many we bought some soles and shrimps monsieur de Gilles tried to bargain a little for us but the women were so smiling and so sure we didn't know anything about it or what the current price of the fish was that we had not much success the trawlers are gradually taking away all the trade from the old-fashioned fishing boats they go faster carry more and larger nets and are of course stronger sea boats they are not much more expensive they burn coal of an inferior quality and their machinery is of the simplest description there is not the loss of life with them that there must be always with the smaller sailing boats newfoundland is the most dangerous fishing ground as the men have so much to contend with the passing of transatlantic liners and the cold thick fogs which come up off the banks all of them prefer the iceland fishing the cold is greater but there is much less fog and very few big boats to be met en route few of the boulogne boats go to newfoundland it is generally the boats from fecon and some of the breton ports that monopolize the fishing off the banks it seems that men often die from the cold and exposure in these waters from the old-fashioned sailing boats they usually send them off two by two in a dory they don't fish from the big boats they start early fish all day if no fog comes up they're all right and get back to their boats at dark but if a sudden fog comes on they often can't find their boats and remain out all night half frozen one night they can stand but two nights cold and exposure are always fatal when the fog lifts the little boat is sometimes quite close to the big one but the men are dead frozen monsieur de Gilles tells us all sorts of terrible experiences that he has heard from his men and yet they all like the life wouldn't lead any other and have the greatest contempt for a landsman there is a fruit stall at the corner of our street where we stop every morning and buy fruit on our way down to the beach we have become most intimate with the two women who are there one a young one with small children about the age of ours to whom she often gives grapes or cherries when they pass and the other a little old wrinkled brown-faced grandmother who sits all day in all weathers under an awning made of an old sail and helps her daughter she has very bright eyes and looks as keen and businesslike as the young woman she told us the other day she had forty grandchildren all the males men and boys sailors and fishermen and mousse many of the girls fishwives and the mothers married to fishermen or sailors i asked her why some of them hadn't tried to do something else there were so many things people could do in these days to earn their living without leading such a rough life she was quite astonished at my suggestion replied that they had lived on the sea all their lives and never thought of doing anything else her own husband had been a fisherman belonged to one of the iceland boats 
went three or four times a year regularly didn't come back one year no tidings ever came of ship or crew it was god's will and when his time came he had to go whether in his bed or on his boat and she brought up all her sons to be sailors or fishermen and when two were lost at sea accepted that too as part of her lot only said it was hard sometimes for the poor women when the winter storms came and the wind was howling and the waves thundering on the beach and they thought of their men monum she always called her husband when speaking of him wet and cold battling for their lives i talked to her often and the words of the old song but men must work and women must weep though storms be sudden and waters deep and the harbour bar be moaning for the floating boy at the end of the jetty makes a continuous dull melancholy sound when the sea is at all rough and when it is foggy the channel fogs come up very quickly we hear fog-horns all around us and quite distinctly the big sirene of cap crinet which sends out its long wailing note over the sea it is very powerful and is heard at a long distance the shops on the quay are an unfailing source of interest to me i make a tour there every morning before i go down to the beach they have such a wonderful variety of things shells of all sizes enormous pink ones like those i always remember standing on the mantelpiece in the nursery at home brought back by a sailor brother who used to tell us to put them to our ears and we would hear the noise of the sea and beautiful delicate little mother-of-pearl shells that are almost jewels wonderful frames boxes and pincushions made of shells big spoons too with a figure or a ship painted on them knives pen-holders paper-cutters and brooches made out of bones of big fish tassels of bright-coloured seaweed corals vanilla beans curiously worked leather belts some roughly carved ivory crosses umbrella handles canes of every description pipes long gold earrings parrots little birds with bright-coloured feathers monkeys an extraordinary collection i'm sure one would find many curious specimens if one could penetrate into the back of the old shops and pull the things about evidently sailors from all parts of the world have passed at boulogne still i don't hear many foreign languages spoken almost always french and english occasionally a dark face with bright black eyes strikes one we saw two italians the other day talking and gesticulating hard shivering too with woolen comforters tied over their caps there was a cold fog and we were all wrapped up it must be awful weather for southerners who only live when the sun shines and go to bed when it is cold and grey there are all sorts of itinerants petit marchands on the other side of the quay looking on the water old women with fruit and cakes children with crabs and shrimps dolls in boulogne's costume fishwives in matelotes stalls with every description of food tea coffee chocolate sandwiches and fried potatoes the children bought some potatoes the other day wrapped up in brown paper quite a big portion for two sous and said they were very good the quais are very broad happily for everything is put there one morning there were quantities of barrels i asked what was in them salt they told me for the herring boats which are starting these days nets coils of ropes big sails baskets boxes odd bits of iron some anchors one has rather to pick one's way an automobile has been standing there for three or four days i asked if that was going to iceland on a trawler but the man answered quite simply oh no madame what should we do with an automobile and a fishing boat it belongs to the owner of one of the ships and has been here unpanned waiting till he can have it repaired we went one evening to the casino to see a bal de matelote it was a curious sight a band playing on a raised stand a broad space cleared all round it and lots of people dancing the great feature of course was the matelote 
their costumes were very effective they all wore short very full skirts different colored jackets short with a belt very good stout shoes and stockings and their white frilled caps they always danced together very rarely with a man it is not etiquette for them to dance with any man when their husbands or lovers are at sea their hands on each other's shoulders they dance perfectly well and keep excellent time and i suppose enjoy themselves but they look very solemn going round and round until the music stops their feet and ankles are usually small i heard an explanation the other day of their dark skins clean-cut features and small feet they are of portuguese origin the first foreign sailors who came to france were portuguese many of them remained married french girls and that accounts for that peculiar type in their descendants which is very different from the look of the french women in general there are one or two villages in brittany where the women had the same colouring and features and there also portuguese sailors had remained and married and one still hears some portuguese names jose manuel and among the women some annunziatas carmelas etc we had a house in brittany one summer and our kitchen-maid was called dolores End of section 18